Welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Yolanthi Gabri. The purpose of Sell Less, Mean More is to move entrepreneurs away from a hard sell hustling mindset and towards a more holistic business practice. I'm so glad you're listening. I'm looking forward to sharing many smarts with you. Hi, welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Delanthe Gabri, and today's podcast is focused on my new business. Yes, I have another business. Sure, there's Ruby Assembly, we've got a podcast, we've got a book. Why not just throw in another business for good measure? I'm so proud of this business. It is actually launching this very month, December 2022, and it is called Good Axe. And in today's podcast, I'm going on a deep dive into the process of opening a new business that has more overheads than any previous business that I've run before with my business partner and husband, Yul Gutenbach. Welcome, Yul. Hi, Yulanthi. Good Axe is a project that we have been working on for pretty much a full calendar year. And it is effectively a new co-working and professional workspace brand. So I think that pretty much everyone listening to this podcast will understand what a collaborative workspace is. They've become increasingly popular over the past five, six years. And post-pandemic, they are in greater demand than ever. So I'm going to be in a free-flowing conversation with Yule as we discuss why we decided that this was a good new business for us, given that we have other businesses and the kind of opportunities and risks involved in this new business. Some of the things that we we learned, the assumptions we made that didn't serve us and the vision that we've had about Good Acts that, that has served us. So Yule, if you would like to begin the podcast by sharing just a tiny bit about the businesses that, that you have, like a little wee bit, because in other podcasts, people can learn more about your brands before we leap into talking about why we decided to build a professional workspace business. Sure. So I am the principal of a legal practice called Attune Legal. We specialize in commercial law, intellectual property law, as well as energy law here in Australia. Attached to that, we also have a online legal service called Mode.Law, and that is kind of a self-serve legal service where businesses can take as much of their own legal function as is probably appropriate and then also have some tools for interacting with us as a law firm that keeps them in control of their budget and when and how they engage with lawyers. So those are the two main and and related businesses that I've got. So in short, we're focused as entrepreneurs on creating businesses that support the legitimizing and professionalizing of other businesses. So in that way, Good Acts makes total sense as an additional business offering for our customers. So you'll, why Good Acts? Why is it that we chose to build a professional workspace business? Like pretty much everyone on the planet, we were forced to work from home during the pandemic. And our life went through quite a lot of changes uh, during that time as well. You and I uh, moved in together, we got married, we had a child, and our needs as business owners were different than what they had been. So when we had attempted to go back into the office working in the city as we had previously. Uh, it didn't serve us. We had a child in daycare and, and having to travel from the city to pick her up because she wasn't feeling very well uh, quite frequently just made it clear that the city was not the place for us to be working. Also, we'd become accustomed to working from home and we felt like we really needed a professional space closer to home 
where we could um, meet with clients, collaborate with our co-workers, but also be close to our child and, and our home and not, not spending so much of our day commuting. So that was the core concept of what we were looking for in our area. So we started a search for effectively a co-working space because both you and I have, have worked in co-working spaces for, I would say, the best part of 10 years plus. And I think it's probably been even longer for you working in those kind of spaces. So I, we're familiar with them and we look for something closer to home and we couldn't find it. So if, if it doesn't exist and it's something you need, then I, I figured let's make what we need. I mean, there's no real other option for us. Yeah. So we identified that in the portion of Melbourne where we are located in Melbourne's outer north, there wasn't really a commensurate product to those really high-end co-working spaces that we enjoyed in the city. Our competitors include brands like Hub Australia, WeWork, Work Club, or beautiful considered spaces, but there was nothing like that serving the area of Melbourne that we live, which is still, it's full of professionals. It's quite middle class, it's quickly gentrifying. So we saw a real opportunity and a need in our community. And we also knew that, you know, staying local is really important to our family life. But in terms of even a sustainable and ecological perspective, if we're able to work more as villagers and stay within 10 or 15 minutes of where we live, regardless of that, whether that happens to be in Fitzroy North or in Sunbury, that's better for everybody because then we're local to where our kids are, our parents are, the people that we love, our, our dog parks, all the things we value. So we wanted to build a business that would support our community. We're, we're really community-minded. So that's where the idea of building a professional co-working and professional shared workspace business came from. And some of the values that we really wanted to bring to Good Acts is firstly inclusion. I really strongly believe that business is for everybody. It just needs to be fostered in a safe and supportive environment. If you're going from ideation to trying out being a solopreneur a couple of days a week, you need a space to do that. And that's where co-working that is facilitated and inclusive with everything you might need for people who are differently abled, with people who are parents. There's a wide range of different kinds of people in our community and co-working spaces or things that purport to be co-working spaces don't often support that diversity. So inclusion is a number one value for good acts. Secondly, courtesy and collegiality is core to what makes a good co-working environment. We experienced that when we worked at Hub Australia. They had incredible community managers who remembered our businesses, what we did, who we were, our colleagues' names. It's that level of concierge care and attention to detail that really makes a difference in terms of communality. Another value that we want to bring to Good Acts Experience for our, our colleagues is generosity. I want to be eating off the cheapest and tinniest plates possible. You don't want to feel like you're getting dermatitis because you're getting the cheapest hand wash. You don't want to feel like at every point it's like you're in a more of like a startup artist workspace where everything is just holding on through paper clips and love. That's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to create a professional feel that had generosity built into its bones. And lastly, we feel that as a community and a business community, wellness is paramount. Like entrepreneurship is a marathon. <laughs> it's not a short run. Sure, there's those years of startup, which are really exciting and they can often feel really bootstrappy, but you can't keep doing that forever. You will get too tired, you'll get sick, you'll probably fail. So we want to create pockets of opportunity for rest and wellness in the spaces that we curate. So those are the values that we're going to be bringing to Good Acts. Tell us about the opportunities we identified when we thought, nope, Good Acts professional workspaces is a going consideration. So there were a number of um, businesses advertising as co-working spaces 
in our area and but none of them were really of a professional enough quality for us there's like you say the artist studios that have a co-working aspect to them there were some that just a a more really a function is like the bare bones of an office facility but it's not the kind of place that you or i would like to take a client say and then once we'd gone and investigated all of them we realized there was nothing suitable one other thing that we'd also learned through the pandemic was we'd met a lot of our neighbours. So going for walks in the park every day, we'd met a lot of other people and they were also in similar situations to us where they were adapting to working from home. They were professionals that had tended to work in the city or in the city fringe. We kind of bonded over some, being faced with the similar sort of issues in our professional lives. And it was also obvious that the way that people were going to work after the pandemic ended was going to be fundamentally changed. It wasn't people weren't going to go back to the city in the same way. And I think that that's been borne out. And there's still every day you open up your news site of uh, choice. And there's another story about how employers are struggling to get employees back to the office. We saw that at the time. So it's just a matter of finding the space and connecting it with the demand. And that left us with just effectively one issue, which was fit out. But before we, we, get to that part of the story, we did start building a community around the idea of having a professional workspace in our neighbourhood. So we applied all the same rules to building the Good Axe brand, even though we didn't have a site yet, that I as digital marketer would apply to any startup brand. So last December, we spent most of our summer holidays building the goodaxe.com.au website. We built brand regalia. We did extensive copy. We put budget on Facebook ads. We built all our social media accounts. And indeed, we did build a wait list of tenants. We also started to have communication and interest from local business groups via our social media channels because we built an online identity that looked so legitimate, people thought it already existed. Whereas uh, it didn't. We had found a spot in Pentridge um, that uh, was really quite large. It was about 500 square metres. And we were slavering over this space we wanted it so badly we thought that given our powers combined that we would be able to get a funding partner for good acts and here we seg into the second part of good acts which is past ideation so we know we've got a minimum viable product we know we have customer input and interest now we're moving into the stage of finance so this is the big what have we learned chapter about finance So I have a really strong real estate background. I was an agent and an auctioneer for six years. I have bought and sold property since I was 21. I've had all kinds of loans. (laughs) I've made money on real estate. I've lost money on real estate. I love real estate. I felt really confident that with my credos as a business owner and as somebody who owns property, that we would be able to get a fairly nominal amount of funding. And by nominal, I mean, it's not ten dollars that we're looking for we're probably thinking somewhere around the three hundred thousand dollar mark but in this scheme of fit out costs for a space that even though it sounds like a lot of money it's 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 pretty middling so i felt really confident guns blazing that we'd be able to find an investor because we had such a robust plan we had interested tenants um and we had done the uh, lean business startup minimum viable product presentation with our accountant to make sure that investors would have all the information that they knew as to when they would break even on their investment with us. <sighs> Guys, it was really hard and it was quite soul crushing. It was very, very hard to get the money and we, we couldn't get the money. So depending on the economy that you're in, money is easier or harder 
to get a grip of. And depending on the the maturity of where you are at with your model, it also depends on how likely uh, business owners or like that investors will actually want to work with you. So we began looking firstly at private investment firms. Yes. So a bit on my background, I've, I work a lot with startups, uh, in particular capital raising for startups. And I've worked quite a bit with uh, co-working spaces as well and helping them uh, raise funds. So I understood the process and what's involved in raising capital and and also some people who you know investment funds and you know angel investors and you know the kind of people that invest in, in these kind of projects and we reached out to them but the biggest issue we had was that our project was simply too small so we were asking for the funds required effectively just fit out the space that we wanted that wasn't an exorbitant amount of money in, in our opinion we just wanted to just just do it at cost. And so just give us, you know, help us raise the funds to cover the cost of the fit out, plus maybe a little bit of fat for ramping up while we get the space fully occupied. And that was too small an investment. What a lot of these investors wanted, and in particular, when we worked our way towards um, family offices, was that there was a minimum of $5 million in the project before they would be interested in investing. So they, they don't want to invest less than $5 million in the in the project. And it's, it seemed really ironic to us that we had built what was acknowledged to be a sound business model. We'd worked our budget through with our accountants and it was clear that it was more than financially viable, but it was two small bickies for all the investors that we spoke to. And they really wanted a, a bigger project. And so what became clear to us was that with competitors in, in this space and why they have so many sites and, and um, really prestige areas with um, really decadent fit outs and, and, and constant expansion is because that's what's required by the investors. There's a drive to have re- much larger ambitions and go beyond a, a simple first principles cash flow based model. So yeah, we, we fell into this in-between space where nobody seemed to think that there was anything actually wrong with the product. Indeed, most people said that we were onto a good thing, but you know, we didn't have three or $400,000 of live cash our immediate networks didn't have that money and we couldn't find an investor that would want to lend that little. So it was this very strange position. We also, after we realised that family offices, which are effectively high net worth family groups that do private investment and private investment firms, which are usually almost exclusively run by boomer dudes whose attitudes towards what business looks like are like they're from the 80s, very few of those investment firms could be educated around the future of the way that commercial real estate was going to be leased in a collaborative style. That was really disappointing because it felt like there was a barrier between us and their investors, which which indeed there was. So towards uh, the end of this year, three, four months ago, we began thinking about a collaboration with a business that did office fit-outs and effectively their model, it's a brilliant model, is that they would help you lease the property they were office outfitters, so they would then outfit it to a mixture of their specs and capabilities and what you required as an office, and then they'd become your landlord. So effectively, the cost of the fit-out was built into your rent. And that was something that Yule and I thought, okay, this is a different way to skin the cat. Maybe that could work. And uh, a shout-out to Simon from Cucumber Offices. That is his concept. He is a real gentleman who, who was very helpful to us. But ultimately, because of the state of the economy and the way that banks look at loaning on outfitting of businesses, businesses including 
our office outfitters, unless there's live cash from the customer, those kind of collaborations in this economy also cannot be wrangled. When we realised that, we had a two or three weeks of feeling like we just had to give up on good acts, like it wasn't going to happen because we didn't have 300,000. We couldn't get 300,000 at the moment and it just didn't seem like it was going to happen. What I would say is that on the flip side, one of the things we learned is that there are actually as many blocks as we came up against, i.e. no from private investment firms because they thought that co-working and professional office spaces were untested. It's untrue. Or family offices that only wanted to run almost quasi-Ponzi schemes by loading tonnes of money and just hoping that the growth in the share price increased and increased until they can get out. There are helpers, people like Simon from Cucumber, and there is a, a wonderful body that's called it's Coworking Australia, headed up by a terrific and knowledgeable lady called Cherie. We'll put links in the show notes to these organisations. And Cherie took some time with us when we were at our lowest point in that Good Axe experience where we felt like all the doors were shut. And she helped give us a third perspective on where we were actually at in terms of the business offering cycle of co-working. And she said, you're actually probably ahead of the market landlords, particularly in slightly outer ring areas, which is where we're placing good acts. They're not thinking about collaboration. They don't understand co-working. It's a totally different generation of working with tenants. And she made it clear to us that there was going to be a way forward and we just kind of had to keep going. And keep going, we did, which is why we're opening next month. So, Yul, what assumptions did we make that set us back and what assumptions that we made helped us? Yes, yeah, so we were actually referred to Simon quite early in the in the process. So when we, we found our site we really wanted in Pentridge and we looked at his website and we thought, oh, no, this looks like he would have been a competitor rather than someone that would be able to help us with the fit out. So we basically dismissed um, Simon and we thought that, oh, you know, what's we've done it once, the idea might be stolen or, or he'd be in a better position to be able to replicate what we would like to do with good acts. And that was just, it ended up being untrue. So that was probably our biggest assumption that we got wrong. And the other one was, as, as we've already mentioned, that it would be easier to to raise a small amount of money than a large amount of money. And I mean, I'm sure people listening at home are thinking, why don't you just do that? Why don't you just grow the concept of the project? But that's not really that's not really our values and it fundamentally changes the concept of, of, of what we're going for. We, we want to be focused on the spaces and making them as good as possible and, and running them as a, as a cash flow positive business instead of a, a loss making business for quite a long period of time that's just built on, on, on a stack of capital. So that's, that's what happened there. And again, we also thought that a good idea with solid research, we had a wait list of 20 people. If all those people signed up to the good acts that we had with the 500 square meters, we thought that that would be appealing to investors and we would be told, yes, this is really good. You've done your homework, your business plan stacks up, your numbers stack up, but it's just too small. We decided at the end of all of that learning that we were going to work out a way to do it ourselves with almost no money at all. So in November of this year, we continued looking for vacant spaces that would suit our needs and that would meet our budget and we eventually found one and we found a property manager a commercial property manager who was pleasant to negotiate with and clearly a landlord that were interested in having us as their tenants and um, that is our first good axe in Preston which is located at 360 Bell Street and it is 
chef's kiss. It has only recently been fitted out, which really minimised costs for us as a tenant. So a lot of the bones of that space are already functional. It's even got a chairlift, which I'm just so excited about because one of my best friends is in a wheelchair and it feels purpose-made for our needs. So as we iterate, Good acts, and as we grow into this first space and make it our own, we're making already some, you know, initial investments. Of course, their furniture. So we'll be getting a loan this week for furnishing the space. We're getting it painted, which is just going to make our hearts sing because, again, it will be in the Good Acts regalia. It will make it feel like our corporate space we've worked towards. But as we move forward, here are some of the dream inclusions we want to make for our community, and they were in the original Good Acts plan. There will be mini versions of them in Good Axe Preston, but we simply won't have the space or, frankly, the budget to execute on the uh, the full extent of these visions. So some of the things we are going to iterate into with our second workspace, which we'll be looking to lease in late 2023, are going to be a dedicated parents' room. Now, at Good Axe Preston, there is a parent space for pumping, being with your baby and feeding. It's kind of going to be like a chill-out zone that is going to be in a multi-purpose space that can be made totally private. We also want to have a bigger budget for regular social and facilitated Good Acts member experiences, things like Friday night get-togethers and drinks through to, you know, other kinds of activities, book clubs, etc. We're going to institute a dedicated media space, soundproof pods to create more private spaces for private conversations with professional clients. There are a multitude of different spaces within Good Acts Preston, a meeting room and two separate kind of private zones where people will be able to make those kind of calls. So there's already provision for that, but we want some soundproof pods when we can get them. We want to, in future iterations of Good Acts, have a, uh, at least one hireable meeting and event space in each location. Of course, we want the spaces to be beautiful. We're engaging a mural artist to do two pieces in Good Axe Preston and all future Good Axes will also have beautiful environments because we're working for a large part of our life and I think that we all deserve uh, spaces of uh, beauty that are healthy spaces. And we want to put Good Axe in communities you may not expect that are in housing developments that are further out than you might expect. So this is just the first step. This is us exploring to the best of our abilities, a brand that we're going to build out further. Yeah. One thing I would say, we didn't really cover what the criteria became once all the other doors were closed to us. So it took us still quite some time to find a place that still ticked because we had a very narrow band of um, properties that would be suitable for us. So it needed to be in a particular location. For us, it needed to be close to home. It needed to already have the fit out done on it. They're actually very rare because most office spaces that, that are in the outer suburbs are not set up for collaborative work and they don't have all the different features that you you need when you when you have a collaborative workspace so that was another criteria that was very difficult for us it needed to be a reasonably new fit out as well so it needed to be fresh that's not super common in the northern suburbs where we're looking uh it could only be of a particular size just for uh, the square meter rate of the rent that we could budget for so there's the, yeah like i say there was a, a lot of criteria that we actually needed before we could push the button on on leasing a space so that's what took an extra bit of time and it was also the hardest part for us was we made that decision we're going to go through with this but finding that location was very difficult it took a long time and it was more kind of like frustration it isn't a strong enough word for how we were feeling at times we were properly demoralized at certain points in our journey to find the spot weren't we yeah when we first had our eye on the actual site in Pentridge we were very wedded to that idea I remained in 
communication with the commercial manager there. We showed them all the design work we'd done. We'd show that we invested in advertising. I did all I could to even find the details of the landlord. And then we found out that it had been leased and we hadn't even been called about it. As somebody who has been an estate agent, even for me, that was heartbreaking. I wept and wept. We were so sad because we were so invested, you know. It's been an incredibly emotional experience. We made this promise to ourselves that even the copy that I, I wrote last January, it said that it'd be opening in late 2022 and we actually uh, will be opening in late 2022, which feels like an incredible delivery of, a, of a, a promise that is not only a sound business model, even though this is its first iteration and it will look really high quality, but we're doing this with very little money. It feels quite high risk to us because it's a new business, though we know that like in terms of real risk, it's not really high. It's something new. And whenever you do something new that pushes you, it does feel a bit frightening. But we're so elated. We're so excited to open the doors on this baby. All the businesses that you and I run are focused on supporting businesses so they can thrive, whether that's through digital strategy, writing books that help in particular women create compliant and risk-tested businesses, whether it's more sophisticated legal counsel or indeed almost DIY legal through mode law. They all help promote businesses. And Good Axe joins that family of four businesses and we're very proud to welcome her. I've had a couple of messages about is Good Axe going to be hiring community managers? And yes, we are going to be hiring our first community manager in 2023. It's going to be a part-time role. There'll be more details about this um, coming out early in 2023. Feel free to DM me if you'd like to go on a wait list for hearing about that opportunity. They are going to be concierges, which will go between not only our Preston site, but further sites in the north that we're going to be opening. So, Yule, lastly, why is our professional workspace and our new baby business, why is it called Good Acts? Uh, Good Acts is the English translation of our last name. So, my name's Yule Gutenbeil, and Gutenbeil means good acts in German. So we translated it into English. You like the sound of it. Even in English, I think it has a, a warm kind of Brothers Grimm <laughs> quality to it. It does. And I think that just as a marketer, thinking about additional brand motifs, which are unique that we can we can use to help people better understand our offering, um, good acts just seem to tick a whole lot of boxes and that it felt very original. So yeah, that is the story of building a baby business from scratch, from iteration as to why we felt we needed to build this brand through our challenges, the assumptions we've made and the way that we'd like to continue to iterate the business. You can learn more at goodax.com.au and as I mentioned, we'll be putting all the details in our show notes. Feel free to contact us regarding Goodax at chop at goodaxe.com.au and you'll thank you for joining me so we could better explain our business journey um, at this kind of really nascent stage to uh, the sell less mean more community i'll bid thee farewell and i hope everybody's really enjoyed this personal little story of us today thanks galanthi <laughs>